Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Conversation of Money podcast. What a weekend of Premier League football we've just witnessed. I mean, I don't remember a title race that went down to the last day quite like the one this Sunday. I mean, I'm a United fan, so I can't particularly uh, boast of any accolades in any way, shape or form. And to be honest, it was a very strange situation finding myself hoping City to win because obviously the situation with Liverpool would be unbearable if they won the Premier League with Champions League next week. And I've got friends on both sides of the aisle, each supporting City and Liverpool, who obviously we banter with all the way through the season. But I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a sports sport or anything like that. So I do want to say congratulations to all the City fans who uh, did a great job, by the way. You won the won the Premier League without a striker, without without an out and out striker with Arling. Um, joining next season, I'm sure it's going to be a really, I mean, Jesus, we're in a mess at United, so we're not going to be able to compete, but it's going to be interesting to watch. And for those of you who support Liverpool, commiserations, but you do have the Champions League final next week. I can't say that I'm going to be rooting for you, um, but you've had a great season so far, certainly better than United. Anyway, with that being said, let's jump into what I want to talk about today, which is stagflation. I don't know whether you've heard that phrase or not before, um, but I do want to talk a little bit about what that is and maybe provide some context and some thoughts around how it pertains to the situation where we find ourselves right now. And interestingly, I will bring in some thoughts, some things that I've noticed, especially if you're following the likes of Warren Buffett. Watching what he's doing right now is actually very, very interesting. Um, And these guys are obviously professionals. That doesn't mean you should go and copy Warren without doing your own research. But it's interesting given the context of our conversation today. So stagflation, you probably heard um, that phrase in conjunction with the words inflation, hyperinflation. Stagflation kind of sticks in the middle, right? Now, as you know, last week we've heard that the um, inflation numbers in the UK are 9%. We've actually overtaken the States, uh, I believe. And that 9% increase uh, in April was due to the energy price increases that we've seen. Now, I've done a number of TV um, appearances last week where we actually um, talked about why this is the case. And it's really, really interesting to see how Rishi Sunak has basically reacted to this and the Bank of England as well. And I gave a couple of uh, warnings for people to really be mindful of on Lorraine. And I did uh, a news program as well over the weekend. I said, and I'll say it again here, and you've heard it before in the podcast, but, you know, interest rates are going to be increasing and they're going to need to go up quite a bit. So, again, things like fixing your mortgage becomes really, really important. But what has that got to do with the word stagflation? Now, where we find ourselves at the moment is in in an environment where there is rampant inflation. And I said it on the rain that we are in May 
Andrew Bailey told us two weeks ago that inflation was going to hit 10% by the end of the year. Now, I've said a couple of times that I don't think the Bank of England are playing fast and loose with the numbers, but I also think that they're trying to sugarcoat what is coming down the track so that people don't panic and maybe there isn't uh, unrest, social unrest. This is something that Martin Lewis has actually um, signposted, which I 100% believe in uh, and agree with because when we get to find out that these energy companies are going to post profits next year and they're already already posting ridiculous profits, it will be very, very difficult for people not to feel robbed. Now, I was again, I've done a lot of TV appearances over the last week. It's crazy. Maybe I should do an episode where we talk about that. But anyway, doing a lot of research for the, sp- the talks that I have given on TV, I came across a stat that said that energy companies are pocketing $32 million or 32 million pounds a day in profit that they hadn't accounted for, didn't even know was going to be around this time last year. And that goes to the numbers that you're seeing out of these companies right now in terms of the profits. Now, inflation and raging inflation as we see it right now is a key component to stagflation. So in order for you to have stagflation, you need to have high inflation numbers with low economic growth. And the Bank of England have forecast that we're about to be looking to go into recession next year. But they're now rumbling to rumors that actually it might happen this year. In order for us to go into recession, it means that there is low economic growth. And so the combination of those two things puts us in an environment of stagflation. High inflation, rampant inflation, low economic growth. Now, in response or the desired response that people are asking for from the government is that Rishi and uh, the Chancellor and the team there and everyone else involved need to raise a windfall tax on gas companies to subsidize some of the cost increases in energy supply that we as consumers are paying. They have shied away from that. Instead, what Rishi Sunak did last week is he had a meeting with the CBI and he basically offered business a cut in taxes in return for investment into their businesses. Now, many people will think, well, how is that going to help anybody? Let me explain. So what he's asking business to do is to invest more, to train more, and to spend more. Now, remember, there are two parts to stagflation. There's rampant inflation, which we're already seeing, 9% inflation right now in the UK, low economic growth. Now, how that basically works is low economic growth. If you have more jobs, higher paying jobs, or companies invest, right, that has uh, an effect on economic growth because as companies invest more, that may mean that there's higher wages that they're paying out, which means that people have more money in their pockets. They can go and spend that money that goes into the economy. That then helps with the growth numbers. So what Rishi is doing and what he has suggested is an economic tactic to try and counteract stagflation and us falling deeper into stagflation, even though there may not be an acknowledgement that we are in stagflation right now, but it is a massive, massive risk. So in opposed to going down the windfall tax for energy companies, he's decided to do that. Now, will it have any benefit or any um, impact at all? We don't know until, I guess, businesses follow through 
invest and he actually says right this is the tax cut that we are going to offer you he was very non-specific in his speech so a lot of people are still waiting for that detail what kind of tax cut are you offering businesses for them to invest more and hopefully put more money in people's pockets in order to help with the economic numbers however one of the key things that is worthwhile noting is that economic numbers the economic side to things may not necessarily be the only thing that is required in this kind of equation. Now, my understanding and my view of this is obviously the Bank of England has a huge role to play. So Andrew Bailey, the Monetary Policy Committee. Now, they've obviously moved with interest rates recently again. So we've now got the bank rate at 1%. And I said this again last week. If we get to October where we know that there is going to be another round of energy price increases to the tune of about 40%. If inflation were to even remain at 9% right now, come October, that number is likely going to be around about 10, 11, maybe even 12%. That's if the numbers remain stagnant, they don't fall back. What we know is the uh, measures around the Bank of England base rate, that hasn't really helped thus far. So the hope is that hopefully there is going to be more intervention from the Monetary Policy Committee in order to kind of help with that inflation number. But here's the kicker. If they increase the interest rates even further before Rishi Sunak has a chance to encourage business to invest more, spend more so that we can get that benefit through economic growth, what tends to then happen is you're going to squeeze people even more from a monetary point of view, and that further impacts the economic growth. It's a really weird, vicious cycle that is hard to break once you get into it. And so the Bank of England itself has got one role. Rishi Sunak has got another role. And where these two meet to combat this problem is what everyone, I guess, is waiting to, to see. Now, this isn't the first time that we've been here. Obviously, in the 1970s, there was another situation just like this. We saw high fuel prices back then. We saw stupid inflation. Inflation rose 20, 25%. So this isn't the first time that we've actually been here. What we do to get out of this is, I, I really don't know. I wouldn't want to have the job of Andrew Bailey. or I wouldn't want to be sat on the Monetary Policy Committee right now. I certainly don't want to be... Uh, Rishi Sunak trying to combat this problem and come up with ideas on how you actually do this. This is a very, very, very sticky situation to be in. I mean, in the States, they're facing the exact same thing. And Jerome Powell and the guys at the Fed are now hinting at interest rate increases of 0.75%. I mean, I said a few months ago that they were dithering with 0.25% increases when the inflation numbers were already quite high they've moved to half a percent now they're considering moving next time around to 0.75 percent so that will be quite a significant jump now typically when the fed does something the uk bank also does something so andrew bailey and the guys also do something very very similar so it'll be very very interesting to see whether in the next month or two we find that our interest rate goes up by a half a percent, 0.75%, which is really going to put the squeeze on people, like really put the squeeze on people. But it's interesting right now. I have a lot of people asking me about, you know, Pete, where can you actually invest uh, during stagflation? 
you know, this these are the types of times where I love to talk about stocks and I love to talk about anything very specific because the reality is I don't know what's coming around the corner. The only thing that I can tell you are the things that I told you in last week's podcast. You need to understand why you're investing, the risk, the timeline that you've got, and do your research around what you want to invest in. I mean, everything that I've got right now is down. My S&P investment is down 9.5% when I checked, I think, on Friday last week. Um, we know that the S&P 500 has, has closed down for seven weeks running right now. Um, markets are down massively. And unfortunately, this is only going to get worse depending on where we find ourselves. The sad thing is that it, when inflation runs really, really high as it is right now, and again, that's only one part of the stagflation equation, when you increase interest rates, in, an increase in interest rate is going to negatively impact stock performance. And since the numbers are so high, I mean, 9% here in the UK, and I think, you know, the US is like 8.4, 8.5%, further interest rate rises will impact the markets which means that we are likely to see the market get even worse right now. And I was reading something earlier today, and I will throw this in there in this uh, conversation because I do think it's relevant. I do think it's important. You know, for the last 24 months, it feels as though buying the dip has been the phrase that everybody uses. I mean, I've said this before on the podcast and on YouTube. You should think, you should think very, very carefully about buying the dip right now. The dip might turn into a crater. And there are signs that it will turn into a crater. So please know what you're doing. And like I said, last week, you need to have a clue about what you're doing. You need to have an inclination. You need to have some semblance of a plan around what it is that you're going to be doing. I've been watching um, a lot of uh, investment content and following a lot of uh, the news that is coming out around particular investors. Interestingly, someone like Warren Buffett, this first quarter... He has invested a ton of money. And one of the things we do know about Warren Buffett, he is a great allocator of capital. And people have been, you know, slating him for the last year or so as, as Warren lost his touch and all this kind of stuff because he was just being, I guess, prudent in his approach. You know, you've got to remember that he's a value investor. He invests based on information and conviction. He feels that if a stock is overvalued, which a lot of stocks have been overvalued over the last 18, 24 months, he's not particularly interested in those. He's interested in, in well-established dividend-paying companies. And it's interesting to see where he's placed his money in the first quarter of, of this year. I mean, he's just, he's, I mean, God, I mean, fuel prices are obviously nuts right now. And that has been a factor in this stagflation equation. He's put a lot of money into companies like Occidental. He's put a lot of money into companies like Chevron. Now, does that mean you should go and buy those two? absolutely not but that's what he's done i would be interested to know in depth what his theory around that is and he hasn't you know invested you know a few hundred million he's put his total buy in q1 i think came to like 41 billion dollars this is a big big allocation of capital that he's been on he's been on a shopping spree and i did a video on youtube and i'm gonna you know i referenced one of his sayings where he says you know, you should be fearful when people are greedy and greedy when people are fearful. And I showed a stat in the video about how much of an outflow, there have been huge outflows from investment funds in America. And I think the number in terms of the fear meter 
around people's sentiment for a recession in the United States with like 81% of Americans were afraid of a recession. So if he is a man of his word and he believes in his theory and his thesis, he's basically put his money where his mouth is. He has literally bought a lot of stock, allocated a lot of capital when he had that initial, in some way, shape or form, that initial indication that people are fearful. We can see it in the data. And so it's really, really interesting to see what people like him are doing. Does that mean you should go and copy his investment thesis? Well, if you do, that's completely up to you. I definitely wouldn't advise it without doing your own research. I think you need to understand why you're doing anything, like I've said before in previous previous episodes. But I think it's really, really important that you understand what you're doing. But we are where we are right now, and it's a really difficult place. I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. And so I wanted to do this video just to kind of, you know, give you an idea of what where we are right now, because you're going to be hearing the phrase stagflation more and more in the coming weeks. And if you hear the, the phrase and you understand what it means, you're likely going to be able to interact with that kind of content with a base of knowledge. Now, this obviously isn't the masterclass around stagflation. It isn't. By all means, go and find out, you know, and seek other pieces of content that give a more in-depth explanation of stagflation. But I think it's good for you to understand what the term means and how that relates to where we are right now. And that's what I hope I've been able to do. I've been able to bring into context how that word, how that phrase feeds into what we're seeing right now in very real terms. So you can make a clear comparison in your mind. I think this kind of stuff is really, really important from an education point of view, and hopefully it helps you make a better decision around um, your choices when you're looking at investing. Because look, I can't promise anyone anything and, you know, nothing is ever given. It's going to be very, very difficult. And this is one of the situations where, where we do see the markets actually take a dip and the guys who I guess hold on to their investments and don't panic and don't sell are the guys who are going to do better in the long run. You know, for many first time investors, if you've invested for the last, you know, 18, 24 months and things have been going up, you've been watching content online that have been telling you that things go up and, nothing ever goes down it can be really really hard right now i've been investing for some time and trust me i'm 10 percent down on my s&p 500 investment i've got other investments that are also down quite significantly i mean i've got one investment which is down like five thousand pounds it's a lot of money so you know it's all about holding your nerves and not panicking and trying to understand the context of the environment that you find yourselves in that will help you sense check where you're at it will also help you form a strategy of what you're going to do next. I think I know what I'm going to do next. I, I've held some money back, obviously. I'm thinking of going back into the markets. But where I want to place, I'm still looking at right now. I mean, pound cost average and so on and so forth. If you're already doing that, that's absolutely fantastic. My situation is very, very different to you. So again, you need to make sure you're doing what is right for you. But I may be looking at putting a lump sum in at some point in the future in the next few months, knowing full well that it could even get worse. But hopefully the idea is by going in where in, at a time where the markets are falling on the growth phase out of that, that's where obviously I can keep uh, and reap some of those rewards. I would encourage you to think about your own strategy, think about how you're approaching your investment philosophy and try to you know, ascertain where your head's at because it can be really, really difficult. 
just don't panic hold your nerve and look i've got to be honest if you are in that situation now where you're kind of like it's too hot in this kitchen there is nothing wrong with getting out it does mean that you're going to crystallize your loss but it could stem any further losses that might come down the track because i do believe things are going to get worse as long as you're happy with the fact that you you might have lost some money and you just want to protect yourself that's completely fine it's a difficult decision to make but it's one that you should if you feel comfortable in that decision anyway i hope this uh, has been useful i hope it's been helpful as always i appreciate every single one of you for listening thank you so much remember money is a tool life is for living i will speak to you next monday Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.